just got a real privilege of, of leading this church. And so we just want to say huge, huge welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Whether it's your first time here, I, I know who, I've got used to knowing who the first time visitors are. Uh, we were talking with some of them earlier because they walk, everyone walks in. <laughs> oh, what the hell's going on? What am I doing? What am I doing here? So a huge, huge welcome. Huge, huge welcome. Um, we, uh, over this next term, we don't have a sermon series. Individuals who will preach each Sunday will carry on their own individual sermon series. So uh, Phil, uh, Phil, who, Phil started a few weeks ago talking about obedience. Next week he's going to carry that on. Uh, when I came up a few couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about the presence of God. And, and uh, this week we're going, to, we're going to talk about another P. Uh, as we enter our third year, the, the things that we've been feeling to emphasise the, next, this next year is around the, the power of God, that we're all able to display the power of God. Um, uh, purity, we're going to look at purity and what that means and how do we, how do we live as pure and holy. And the, the, the last one we want to emphasise again and again is, is the poor. And so why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? And then we'll uh, see, if this, see if this microphone works. So Jesus, I thank you for your, your presence here today. I thank you that you're always, uh, always speaking. Whatever reasons you, you came here today, you're always at work. You're always at work in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you might have seen at the back, we've got, I'll tell you what, I'm going to use this. We thought we would do something different, but I don't think it's going to work. Um, you might have seen at the back our, our banner, the Bags of, bags of Blessings, and uh, it's one of our initiatives in the church where we... Uh, we collect essential items to give away to homeless people, rough sleepers, big issue sellers, vulnerable people in our community. And um, it came about a few years ago. We, as a ch uh, in our previous church, we were thinking about what do we do with homeless people in, in our city. And we discovered there are a number of... Uh, a number of uh, soup runs, soup kitchens, lots of churches giving away food. And I, I wandered around Victoria one afternoon and uh, just met about 20, 25 homeless people, men and women, young, young, pe young teenagers to, to the elderly, it, just in around Victoria. Anyone who works around Victoria and Westminster, you, you, you know those people. And I just started speaking to them. If we did something as a church, what, what actually do you need? Do you need more food? And most of the, most of the homeless people were saying, actually, no. We, we get enough food. Uh, one guy said, what I could really do with is a torch. Uh, at night, I like to write, but I can't see. Uh, I would really love a torch. And another guy said, oh, yeah, what I'd really like is, is some deodorant. And another guy said to me, what I'd really like is a toothbrush. And so it made us think about what could we do, um, often with soup runs and those kind of things in the city, that churches will have a soup run, but in effect, six people in the church will be 
be involved. And so it's kind of, well, we're, as a church, we're doing homeless projects. But actually, it's only six people in the church. And so we got thinking, what could we do to help everyone get involved in, uh, in this project? And so what we do is we collect essential items. So if you're out shopping for toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorant, tissues, wipes, uh, buy an extra one and then bring it on a Sunday morning. And then at the end of Sunday morning, you can then take a bag with you to, to bless people. Uh, one lady I, I, I spoke with, and uh, we have an online community on Facebook, a BBC community, and, and we posted about this. And one, one lady I spoke to, she, she said, oh, what I could really do with this is some tampons. And I, my naivety, I, I've, I've got, oh, wow, I'd never thought about that. Um, and so I went to the, the nearby chemist and I said to the cashier, hi, can I have some tampons? Um, I, I didn't know. And she, said, and she just said, what size? <laughs> I don't know. I, th I think she's a medium. But, uh, <laughs> again, my, my naivety. So I said to the lady, just hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me come back. So I... <laughs> you know where this is going. So yeah, of course, I went back to the lady and said... <laughs> Do I look red now? Because <laughs> you can imagine, imagine my embarrassment then. What size? I'm not going to tell you what size. <laughs> um, so we're really passionate uh, about this project, giving practical items. And we can all do this. We can all take a bag with us. We've all, in our commute to work or in our community, we all know or seen people that are sleeping rough, beggars, big issue sellers, and we can just give them a bag. You can give them a bag and run away and just say, oh, this is from the church, there you go, and, and run away. Or one thing I've discovered is that homeless people have got hobbies. They've got personalities, they've got interests and all kinds of things. So, so now when I, when, I say, when I meet a lady who's homeless or uh, sleeping rough, I'll say, what size tampon do you want? Because <laughs> I know now. I know what to, what to say. <laughs> recover, recover. Okay. Um, maybe I should have prayed like now to kind of get us, get us back on track. Um, we're going open to up, open up your Bibles. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 2. If you've memorized Galatians chapter 2, join in. Otherwise, open it on your phone. Or uh, We have Bibles at the back. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, just, just pick one up with our, with our compliments. Um, uh, words are going to come, on, on, come up on the screen. As if by magic. Um, and the title is, Paul is accepted by the Apostles. And uh, let me read. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I want to be, to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. The matter arose between some false believers uh, had infiltrated our rank, ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ 
and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Um, as, those, as for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they, they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. If we've talked about tampons, we can talk about circumcision. That's basically the what I was thinking about. Verse 8. <laughs> For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and that they to the circumcised. All, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. We talk about, this is the word of God, by the way. It's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. We, we talk a lot about Paul uh, as probably the best church planter that's ever, that's ever lived. We talk about Paul a lot. And as Paul, Paul was to become the first intentional missionary and, and church planter in all of history, the gospel spread in so many places, uh, mainly... It's quite interesting. Mainly the gospel spread through persecution and the dispersion of, uh, of believers for all kinds of reasons. The, the gospel spread mainly through persecution. But this was the first, and this was, this was what Paul was so good at, is that the, the key ele elements of the gospel of the kingdom is that it must be proclaimed and it must be modelled. Paul was, we, we must talk about the kingdom, but then we must model the kingdom. And this was pretty, pretty big stuff, bless you. The thing that Peter, James, and John, so these were apostles, these were people that Paul sat under, if you like. He served them. And it was Barnabas. I, lo I love Barnabas. Barnabas. He wasn't actually called Barnabas. He, his, uh, his real name was Joseph. Uh, but he was called Barnabas as a nickname. That was his nickname. And it's a son of encouragement. He was so encouraging that they changed his name to his nickname. And it was Barnabas that kind of took Paul by the hand and presented him and, and almost offered Paul, like, this is God's servant. This is God's hand is on, on this man. And if it wasn't for Barnabas, we wouldn't have Paul. If it wasn't for people in our lives that encourage us, people in, in Paul's life that encourages us, that we wouldn't be the people that we are. So get around people that will encourage you. Um, and so Paul, right at the end of the, the, that verse there, he says, all that they asked was that we continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. That's it. Full stop. End of sermon. Remember the poor. That's all they asked. I've got about 20 minutes to pad this out. Um, dur during the month of October, we're part of a bigger bigger movement in, in the nation and around the world. And so in our country, there's about 120 vineyard churches like us. And uh, during the month of October, all the vineyard churches around, around the UK and Ireland are asked to submit stories, statistics, 
And they're asking the question, how are things? How are things going? And as a two-year evaluation, we're at the end of our two years, how, how is the church going? I think there's only one question on the exam paper. <laughs> if we get to the five-year mark, there's still one question on that, on that paper, on that assessment. If we get to the ten-year mark, I want to propose there's just one requirement that can't be lost in the midst of all the challenges that we're facing, all the hurdles of living out our faith, uh, building community, and it's this one question. Did you remember the poor? It's the only, it's the only question. Did you, did you remember the, 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 the poor? Uh, as Viv and I, during our preparations for the church plant and throughout the last couple of years... Um, I'm ready to pull the demographics, the cultural analysis, the various sort of and sundry tools that we use, the, the cool ideas, bake-off, cool, cool ideas, to gearing up to envision this church, new church community. Um, the last six months, I've been learning about a phrase, newcomer assimilation. <laughs> it's this kind of American term for how you assimilate newcomers. So if you're new today, you're part of our assimilation process, apparently. <laughs> um, I've also been reading about lots of relevant communication strategies, how we develop community, uh, also how to contextualise the gospel in a millennial culture. The, the more I walk out my journey and my life in the middle of this faith community, I, I just keep coming back to this question, this one simple question. D don't forget the poor. I just keep coming back to it. Don't forget the poor. Uh, this, this morning, I, I've, I wrote five, four talks for this morning, and uh, neither of them were, were that good. Uh, you can debate after my talk whether what you think about this one. Uh, I just can't get away from the poor. We can't get away from the poor as a, as a church. Uh, so who are, who are the poor? Today we probably see the poor as uh, through our lens of economics or personal financial weakness or where they're at. In the New Testament, however, the, the poor are generally seen as those that are powerless. The powerless in our society, the hidden people in our society, those that lack basic necessities to sustain their lives. But also, the, the New Testament context for, for the poor is they just didn't have a voice in society. Uh, they didn't have power in the society. They didn't have any social respect or material goods in society. And their daily stress for survival... Um, meant that often relationships would break down. Uh, I, I just want to pr propose, even, even today, poverty is a disease in our society. And all the remedies that we have, all the, the theories, the, the teachings, the, the practices of it, all the kind of social ills in our society, uh, I believe the cure is found in the life of Jesus. It has to be. It's all, it's all found in the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so I, I, I approach this humbly as we look at what Jesus talks about, how Jesus wants us to respond to, to the poor.
um, the reason why I'm looking at my notes is when I printed them off, they all fell on the floor. <laughs> so I'm just guessing whether they're in the, they're in the right order. <laughs> I'm not sort of, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Like, what's going on? I'm just, I think this is right. <laughs> um, we're all imitators. We all copy what we see in our lives that are influenced. Influences, influences around us, what we find desirable. Um, I, I would suggest that there's no one more desirable, no one that can capture our hearts more than, more than Jesus. He's the best friend you'll ever have. He's the most faithful, the most truthful, the most generous, the most forgiving. He's also the most shocking. He's the most surprising, the most reckless. Uh, he's also the most authentic, the most wonderful person that's ever walked this earth. In the history of the, history of the, all the earth, there's no one like Jesus. And one of the characteristics that we see in Jesus, that we read about over and over and over and over again in the Gospels, that he's an incredibly ca- compassionate person. Uh, if, you look, if you look at the scriptures, if you have, any, if you have your Bibles, it's true... And it's clear that God has a special place for the poor. The, the term poverty or the poor or the marginalised are, are directly or indirectly mentioned more. There, there's more than 2,000 verses in the Bible talking about the poor. And it's reminding us as an individual like you and I, but also as a church, that our church is cool is to the marginalised, the impoverished among, among us. And uh, th- these are some of the words of Jesus. I'm not going to read them all. Uh, may just use one or two. Matthew 25, he says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So, uh, we talk about this a lot, where we stand toe-to-toe with Jesus. We're, one of the facts of life is that at the end of our days... We're going to stand toe-to-toe with our maker. And there are certain questions he's going to ask us. I believe that one of the questions is, did you remember the poor? Not how many people were saved. Not, did you bring the kingdom power? Were Were you awesome? Did you unleash the power of God? He may ask us that as well. But one of his main questions are, did you remember the poor? Do you remember the poor? That, I don't know about you, but that scares me. That scares me. Every time I walk through Balham, do, do I remember the poor? Uh, when we talk about the poor, when we talk about Jesus' heart, we, we often, in the Vineyard Church, we talk about this term, compassion. And compassion is a word that's used um, nearly a hundred times. Dozens and dozens of times regarding the way God feels about people. Uh, he, was, he uses, the Bible talks about mercy or pity. But in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's some incredibly rich, emotion laden words to describe the compassion of God. And I just wanted to explore that. Uh, compassion of Jesus. So in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a wonderful Hebrew word. So the Bible, the Old, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And in the, the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word um, 
for compassion is this word racham. I think I've said that right. If there's any Hebrew scholars, I might, I might have got that wrong. But it means to have mercy upon. It means to be compassionate towards. It's one of the characteristics of God that he moves towards people with compassion. He moves towards people. And uh, there's another, another Hebrew word, rechem, which is about a, the womb. It's about in God's womb, in God's being, in God's gut, there's this pull towards people, to the poor. And God has this feeling inside his belly towards people. And it's the similar word where, where the, the mother had towards the child in her womb. It's that same word. God feels towards people in the same way that a mother feels towards a small, helpless baby, the child in her womb. And in the New Testament, uh, there's the number of Greek words that are translated compassion. Uh, the most colourful one, uh, this is a hard word, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this well. Uh, the Greek word is <laughs> splanchna, I think. Just turn to each other and just say splanchna. Splanchna. <laughs> and again, it's this word, it's the in, innards. It's the innards. Uh, the splanchna refers to the gut, the spleen, the liver, the kidneys. So over and over again, Jesus felt, when he talks about Jesus felt compassion, it's literally from his gut. Uh, if uh, I, I've mentioned a few things there, spleen, liver, kidneys, guts. If anyone here has got any issues, problems, any sickness right now with their spleen, liver, kidneys, guts, would you stand up? Uh, we feel like God wants to... It's, it's the way God feels, and so he wants to move towards those people that may have got issues or problems. So if that's you, just... Just gather some people around them. Gather, pray for those people that are standing right now. And pray with a heart of compassion. Pray with authority over those people. Say, so come Lord Jesus. We thank you that you'll move towards people. And we bless these um, brothers and sisters who are, who are suffering. And we right now command in their guts, in their innards, healing and restoration now. We pray for a power to be released in Jesus' name. The same God of the Old Testament, New Testament will move towards you in Jesus' name. We command every sickness to be broken now in Jesus' name. Any, anyone else? Problems with their digestive system? Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. And we pray particularly for uh, anyone here who's struggling to get pregnant. Any men and women who are who want to get pregnant and are struggling. We release the compassion of Jesus right now. 
We pray for total healing in, in, the in your innermost being. And it will come from God's innermost being into your innermost being. That you will feel the same, that same touch of Jesus. The same power of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. And the people said? Amen, amen. Uh, (laughs) we've talked about the Vineyard Church we as a Vineyard family are a a church that leans towards the poor I don't know if anyone's been on a Segway anyone been on a Segway to move it you have to lean you have to lean and um, one of the the things that characterise so what's the Vineyard Church we often get asked what is the Vineyard Church we, one, of the, one of our leanings is, is towards the poor. Uh, the, our, we have a, in our vineyard family, we have this special leaning, uh, an intentional leaning to the poor, to the outcast, to the, any outsiders with the compassion of Jesus. Uh, and from the beginning of our movement over 35 years ago, uh, the vineyard churches have, have actively seeked to serve the poor in all kinds of practical ways. All across the world, in towns and cities, all and spheres of influence. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, was per, he was personally committed to this, this call of radical, compassionate life in the way of Jesus. And in, in the vineyard, we believe, again, this is just our lean-in, our kind of emphasis, we believe that the faith to Jesus means that we are faithful to remember the poor to serve the poor to build community among the poor and to love the poor compelled by the love of God Uh, Jesus says for freely you've received for those of you who know the rest of the verse freely give we just want to recklessly give ourselves away to the poor and so as we perhaps attempt to land. The things, I just want to say, some things I've learned about how we minister to poor, how to minister to poor as an, as an individual. Meet them. Meet them. Become uncomfortable. Uh, you will have many, many awkward moments. Uh, if you think the tampon story was an awkward moment, then uh, I, I've got a catalogue. Um, <laughs> meet them we actively interact with them so the lady who sits outside Sainsbury's on the high street she's always desperate for nappies Uh, and I always ask her what size (laughs) I've just got used to asking people a bit more detail what size so size four so she has or four plus whatever maxi four plus but it's four it's four (laughs) we interact with them we find out about them what are your interests? What do you like doing? What, what do you think about? And you'll be, it's fascinating to hear, hear some of their stories. So meet them, actively interact with them, befriend them, uh, listen to, learn from them, uh, love them, serve them. So I asked, what else do you need? Do you need anything else? Uh, I, and she said, I, I haven't really washed my hair. Okay, it's two pound. Here's some shampoo. And if you went to Poundland, it's cheaper. 
It's two pound. So she, she, we, just in that simple act, you're giving someone some dignity and some feeling. So interact with them, befriend them, listen to, learn from them, love and serve them. Invite them into our family and share what we have. And so now I just invite people to come. Come, come here. If you want a free breakfast, come here. If you want to sell your... I, I've, I've said this to every big issue seller. On a Sunday... Uh, a Monday, they pick up their new magazines. So Sunday, they just... They, what, what do I do with them? So I've said, come to here. Sell them here. Tout. Like, we've got captive audience. Come along here with, like, 20 big issues. Make yourself some money. We, uh, no one's ever done that yet. But I'm, I'll guarantee one day, one of the big issue sellers will, will have the courage and come. And so if they do come, just welcome them. Find out about them. Befriend them. Okay. Uh, but what, what, it, what, we, what we're not saying is that the poor is a project. Just like individuals. Uh, the, our friends aren't a project for us to evangelise. Our friends aren't a, a project for us to save. We're just befriending them. Uh, and because of our interactions with them, we want them to see Jesus in us. Uh, the poor are, are our neighbours. They are our friends. Uh, one of the things I felt God say years ago is that everyone needs a pastor. Everyone needs someone to talk to, to listen to, to help them, to, to give them some support, some courage, some, uh, some encouragement. And so this word compassion is this, is, sums up what we often use for, in the vineyard to the kind of Christians that we want to be. And Jesus had compassion on the, in Matthew 3, it talks about Jesus had compassion on the harassed and the helpless. When he, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. So I'm commissioning you all as pastors in your community. Be a pastor. When you're walking around the community, walk around as a pastor. How can I pastor my community? How can I pastor my office? How can I pastor at the school gate? How can I pastor in the gym? How can I pastor the people that I meet? You can see I've lost my notes. <laughs> okay. So, I've told you some things about what I've learned about being compassionate. So how do we start? John, John Stott, he was one of the leading uh, evangelicals. He was one of the leading evangelical scholars. He died maybe five or six, seven years ago. And in his last sermon that he ever preached in uh, Keswick, uh, he'd been preaching for 70 years. Can you imagine doing that? 70 years preaching and teaching uh, he distilled everything that he learned over the 70 years into one truth. And he said this, this, this axiom, if you like, to sum up 70 years of his ministry. And he said this, God wants his people to be like Christ. That's it, full stop. More than impacting our community with the gospel, more than the good works, more than saving people, more than the preaching, the healing, and all the other ways we extend God, God's kingdom, which we do. It begins with us submitting to the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification in us. The closer we are to resemble Jesus, the more effective we are to be communicating Jesus to the world. 
And, uh, and it's always this process of sanctification. Always this process of, Jesus, I want to be more like you. I want to repent of some of the things that I have been doing, but make my heart more like you. I want to posture my heart. I want to have my trajectory towards you, my, my north, if you like, the magnet, always points north. My trajectory is always north towards you, Jesus. Uh, and so as we, we have a focus in, in the church about extending God's kingdom, everyone, every day, everywhere, uh, never forget this is the more unglamorous side of ministry. Uh, but we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors for the kingdom. And to be ambassadors for the kingdom, we must become true subjects of the kingdom. We must enter in this process of sanctification, purity. Uh, the Lord must be king in our own lives before anything else. Uh, when Christ was on the earth, I promise you I'm landing. I might be circling, but I am, I am landed. Um, Christ, he, met, he went out and he met unbelievers wherever they were. Uh, he realised um, uh, what many Christians don't understand today. And I say this with all humility. Uh, cultivators always go out to the field. If you want to cultivate anything, you always go out to the field. You never stay in a building. Uh, according to one count, the Gospels record 132 contacts Jesus had with people. Uh, I quite like statistics, so um, uh, let me give you this. Six of those contacts were in the temple. Four of them were in synagogues. So 10 of them were in buildings. The other 122 were out with people in the mainstream of life. And uh, so I just want to encourage you that the contacts we have here with Jesus is fantastic. But Jesus' model was to take his expression out wherever we are. Uh, and so over October, pinch punch first of the month, I want to encourage you over October to be praying specifically for God's heart for the poor, asking God, finding the scriptures about compassion. God, tell me your heart for the poor. You might want to journal it. You might want to pray it through. You might want to get some scriptures to meditate on. I want to ask you this. Ask God a really like uh, awkward question. God, show me the hidden people. Show me the isolated people. What could I do for the hidden and isolated people in our community? What could our small group do to be compassionate in our community? What could we all do to remember the poor? And so we're going to be praying and fasting, increasing our gut of compassion and seeking ways to be Jesus' hands and feet uh, at any given time. Um, some of us, we give time, we give energy, we pray, and some of us, we give money. During October, we're going to be continuing to raise funds for our job club. Uh, and so yesterday, the, uh, the Spartans, would they stand up? They, were, they all, um, some of them were wearing their T-shirts. Some of them got medals. Um, the Spartans, uh, you can sit down now. They did an amazing 15 miles, 15 kilometres? 12 miles. 12 miles. 12 miles round a tough, tough course. And uh, 
uh, it's amazing. And so they've begun raising funds for our, for our job club. Um, we, uh, uh, our job club, we started it, the first thing we started as a church was a job club. And we got donated some laptops, which at the time were about 10 years old. And they're slow, over the last couple of years, they're, all, they're slowly dying. They don't understand what Wi-Fi is. Um, they cannot, we print CVs. We help people to create CVs, we print them. And so doing sort of wireless printing is impossible. And uh, so a few of them have died already. And uh, we've just thought, well, actually, what we need at the moment is some more laptops to help coach and to give practical, practical things. So over, over October, we're going to be on our Sunday giving. All the giving that we have on a, on a Sunday is going to go towards, uh, towards those laptops. And um, so, yeah, so uh, we're going we're gonna to have a time of giving later where you can give to, give to the church, but all of the giving over, over October is going to go to the job club. Uh, you can use the envelopes uh, if you haven't sat on them and... The envelopes there, uh, you can use to donate. Uh, you can set up standing orders if you want to tithe to the church. Uh, but can I ask, at the back, you, uh, if you're a ta- UK taxpayer, if you could fill out that, the gift aid declaration, that means we can claim an extra 25% on any income that's been donated. So the Spartans have raised just over £1,000 uh, for us. And so it's amazing, it's amazing. And with that £1,000, we're now able to claim another £250, which is a laptop, uh, which is amazing. And so uh, if you do want to give, please, please, can I ask that you fill the back there so then we can make that claim, uh, claim possible. Um, so why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? And I'd love to pray for our, our bags of blessings and for our job club. Uh, on your way out, there are some bags. We've got some male bags and we've also got some female bags. Uh, with sanitary items in the female bag. So on your way out, do grab a bag. And uh, we're going to be posting things that we're running short of. And so uh, over, the next, over this next month, we'd really love to do that. So Jesus, we thank you for uh, our, the reminder you've given us to remember the poor. I pray you would haunt us with that, that reminder. It would trouble us, your heart. It would provoke us. Uh, and for some of us, the, our own insecurities, our own uh, look at the way we see ourselves, some of that would just shake off as we remember the poor. We pray, Father, that we as a church would push compassion as far as we can go. And we ask now for a blessing on our, on our bags of blessing ministry. We pray every bag would be a blessing to everyone that receives it. Father, we pray for our city. We ask you'd give us your eyes to see people the way you see them. And Father, I I don't believe in a heart of compassion. I believe in a gut of compassion. I pray in our guts you would stir compassion. You would drive us. You would compel us. You would hook us into your dream for the city, your, your passion for, for the poor and the marginalised, the hidden, the isolated. Father, we pray for the elderly in our community. We pray that they would, uh, 
the, the lonely elderly people in the community would find friendship and hope and family. We pray for the, the refugees in our city who feel marginalised. We pray that the church would be a place of hope and freedom for them. Pray for the jobless. Uh, those that have got no idea how to use a computer to find a job. Those that have to navigate the benefit system online and yet they, st- they haven't even got an email address and don't know how to set up an email address. We pray a, a blessing on them. We pray for the coaches that coach people on, on a Monday afternoon. Give them wisdom, give them grace, give them patience. And we pray for a whole community would get jobs because of, uh, because of what you're doing in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.